The following podcast brought to you by MassInSports.com, your home for Orioles and Nationals baseball. Hey, O's fans, welcome to this week's edition of Yard Work alongside Steve Molesky. I'm Brian Eller. Steve, how you doing, man? How's it going, Brian? Doing all right. Um, the Orioles are finishing up a homestand with Texas before they hit the road. Uh, I know you were in Toronto last week, so we uh, weren't able to record an episode, so it's been a, a lot happening since we last met. So um, I, I got to tell you, we, we've, I think every <clears throat> single episode we've talked about how um, long season, can't get too high, can't get too low. Um but I gotta tell you, Steve, this is, seems to be one of the streakiest Oriole teams I can remember in history. They don't just win one or two games or lose one or no. two in a row. They seem to take it all in bunches, good or bad. Have you ever seen a team I like this that you think can recall? It's been this way all year, but certainly since about the middle of July, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a string of winning and losing streaks. And so they had that incredible June, and they actually, I believe, they ended June with a five-game lead. And so it's gotten closer. You know, they had a losing month in July for the first month of the year they've ever had a losing month, 12 and 14, I believe it was. So they're kind of floating around 500 right now, trying to catch that second wind to carry them through, you know. And so hopefully these deadline deals they made, uh, a couple big wins they had against Texas here, and we're about to see Miley pitch tonight as we tape this. So they'll go for the sweep. You know, um, every time I think the fans on my blog – go berserk the Orioles start winning more games (laughs) so and it's a small section of the fans but they really they're really riding that wave man and when it goes down some fans really get down I mean I I start getting tweets seasons over third place in a week I just never understand why people uh, have if you've watched this team this year you know that they always bounce back have they had an eight game losing streak or have they lost 10 of 12 they haven't they always turn it around so Will that continue? They hope, because that would that would might lead them to where they need to go. So I just think, Brian, we're set up for a great, exciting two months of baseball. Right. And I feel like, especially this year, the Orioles have been in first place for the majority of the year. You know, they, they, they bounce around a second every now and again. But Boston and Toronto have been close behind it at their heels all season long. They just never seem to go away. And so it feels like at least from a fan's perspective, that there is no margin for error. So a three-game losing streak, and and the sky is – that's why I feel like some of the fans feel like the sky is falling because, hey – it is such, you know, they, that may drop them into second place by half a game or, or put right. their first place lead in there. But, I mean, it's, it's uh, that I feel like that makes it a little bit harder to forget that there is a margin for error. I mean, they only have yeah. 45 losses now. They're not going to end the year with 45 losses. They're no. going to have more than that. No. I mean, that's that's a given. But it, it just feels like, I feel like with such a, a tight race, really all year it seems, that that margin for error just seems to be so much smaller. Oh, it does. And I mean, uh, but those other teams are going to have their bumps in the road too. That's right. the thing, you know. And and I did a schedule analysis here going into August, and the Orioles from August to the end of the year have more home games than the other two teams, uh, Boston and Toronto, and that bodes well, as good as the Orioles have been at home. And they all play about the same amount of games of 500 or better teams. The Orioles actually will play a couple more. So it seems weird because they, they I feel like the Orioles have been at home a lot this year. Do you, do you get that sense? Having gone on the road with them this <laughs> year, I don't, maybe not I, so you, but here I, I stay at home. Concur. It feels like they're always at home, but <laughs> but um, you know they're in this stretch now where they uh, you know they went uh, the Toronto road trip followed by three at home followed by a ten game swing. This ten right. game swing will be big because two of the three teams have losing records: Oakland and Chicago. And you know you want to see if you can pull out a six and four. So I think I'm not sure if they've had a winning road trip this year. I have to go back and look. Not many if they have. Mm. And so that would be a nice thing to, uh, if they get past this Texas series to have a nice road trip 
to Chicago, Oakland, and San Francisco. But the, all, the other teams are going to have the ups and downs, too. We know that. And they have tough schedules, too. And they have West Coast road trips, too. And so it's going to be fun. Is there anything at all to the fact that the Orioles have done fairly well against the division leaders, the swept Cleveland? They've already uh, going to win the series against Texas, going for the sweep tonight, as we said. Um, they've held their own against Toronto. I think they're 6-7 and seven against them on the year. And then Boston, again, they're the whole own. Is, is there any little kind of pat on the back for the fact that they can? Yeah, I mean, you want to show you can beat the good teams, teams you might have faced in October if you can get there. And so, um, you know, I thought the win Sunday in Toronto was huge. They had to go 12 innings to get it. Right. Uh, they were on the brink of disaster there because the Blue Jays had how many chances to walk it off, and they didn't. And Givens came right back after having a really bad game Saturday and put up a zero late. And so Andrusik pitched a couple good games there. Um, it was big. Jonathan scoped the big hit in the 12th, and they kind of carried that into this Texas series. So uh, I like the fact that they're so good at home. I like the fact that they have the best record in the East among teams in the East. You know, I like the fact that, that they have uh, won the series against Texas. Right. They won a series against Cleveland. You know, these are these are good things moving forward. Yep. And just the uh, we talked about the the streaks up and down. It's actually since June twenty second they they've gone twenty one to fifteen, six games over five hundred, which is respectable. But the way they did it is actually very very interesting. They they won seven in a row, lost five in a row. Then they won two and lost one, but then they won four, lost four, won five, lost five, and now they're in the midst of a three-game winning streak trying to make it four. Crazy. So it is just yeah, it just seems to be they ride the momentum, good or bad, uh, um, when it happens. But um, so uh, speaking of the the Texas series, you talked about um, last night as we taped this. Gosman, he kind of looked like at least the first couple innings it was going to be a long game. Um, you know, Orioles jump out to a uh, they give him three runs. Um, in the bottom of the first, but uh, but he kind of seemed to settle in and ended up pitching yeah. seven innings, which is great. Um, you know, giving giving Buck uh, some ease on that bullpen there, so that was that was nice to see. That was big. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Friday night was really just a bad outing for Kevin. Three home runs in the first five batters in Toronto to start that series. Right. It just was like, oh man, this is not the tone you want to set for this weekend. And he even kind of beat himself up a little bit in the post-game interviews for his performance. And then he starts slow last night, and you're like, uh oh. You know, because he had been trending up. Uh, I think if you look at his last seven and eight starts, they're mostly good. Mm -hmm. And so you want that trend to continue. That would be big for this team. And so I think that was big for Gosman to uh, have 50 pitches in the first two and 58 in the next five. He really got locked in. That's about as pitch efficient as we've probably seen him for a four, five, six inning stretch. You know, number of pitches he threw and was getting everything over, and the fastball command set it all up. And so his secondary pitches, they still need to come you know like look at where Bundy is with his secondary he's ahead of Kevin right now with his second and third pitches and so Kevin can get better with that and we've seen him at times get better with that and so I'm not giving up on this kid at all as being a top of rotation starter I'm not sure. saying number one he's not Kershaw elite maybe Bundy can be that what he's showing now and Kevin he might not be that far behind that uh, at some point when he gets to where he, he needs to be and so um I think he's got more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, more guts maybe than some people have given him credit for, yeah. um, and it showed in that game. Absolutely, and he's actually had quality starts, five of his last seven. Um, mm -hmm. The ERA doesn't look as impressive because, again, the start against Toronto really just he never got on, the, on the right yeah. foot. You know, but um, I seem to remember, you know, 
a couple years ago, Chris Tillman was would have trouble getting out of that, getting started. A first, if he could get out of the first inning unscathed, it generally was a they you know gave the team a chance to win. Um, but he would sometimes fall behind, and I, right. you know, it, again, Gosman seems to kind of run into some trouble early on there. I wonder if if you know he Tillman's ever gotten some advice for him or just something to say, hey, you know what. Let it, let it you know, keep doing what you're doing. I look up a lot of pitcher stats because I write the previews, you know, the game blog, and every day I'm looking at pitcher stats. And I see around the game a lot of guys, first inning, is may not be their worst, but it might be one of their two or three worst innings. It just seems like – and, you know, the obvious is warm up more. And I'm sure these guys have thought all this stuff through and tried different things. But for whatever reason, some guys, uh, they – if you're going to get them early on, you know, maybe they haven't quite gotten step yet. But um, Weeders made a great point after the game last night that Gosman is starting to do better with in-game adjustments because all pitchers have to make them. Sure. And knowing that, okay, I'm kind of just getting through here in the first and second, but that doesn't mean I won't lock in here and get on a roll in the third or fourth, which he did. And a lot of pitchers have done this. Tillman has done this. And so you just can never say, oh, they don't have it tonight because they might find it in a later inning. Uh, sometimes momentum. They just have one good inning, and all of a sudden they're, they're in a better place mentally. So um, that's one thing Gosman's doing better at. Weeders pointed that out last night. The in-game adjustments, in-game thinking, in-game planning, all of that is important. Oh, it's critical, I mean, because the hitters are – going to get to see him three or four times in a game and you better believe they're making adjustments and and they're probably as we see you know generally pitchers have hitters have a higher average you know the third time facing a pitcher in a game so if you're a pitcher and you're not making adjustments it's gonna be a long night for you or or a very quick night i guess and uh we saw that with bundy the other night he two starts ago he threw a lot of change-ups early this last start he did not and I am pretty sure that was by design. The Orioles knew that the scouting by Texas would be this kid came out throwing change-ups. So let's wait on the ball. And he didn't throw that many change-ups right. early against Texas. He did throw close to the amount he did the previous start, but not in the same part of the game. So that is really smart by Weeders and the Orioles and Dylan to not get in a pattern especially when you're just have only made a few starts and they're trying to get a read on you uh, they're gonna hitters are now gonna go wow he threw all these changeups early but then he didn't what's what's he gonna do tonight right so now keep him off the guard you've got him thinking about that and it's gonna help that kid so we talked about Gosman and again Bundy has been just just a treat though I mean gosh man it's been so nice seeing him come out I was a little worried bringing him out for that that start and I mean and you've certainly covered him a long time, several years, watching him kind of blossom and track yeah. up through to where he is now. I mean, he's had four starts now. He's two and two. His ERA is right at an even three. But he's also taken – he's flirted with some no-hitters later into games than I think most fans would probably predict, fifth and sixth right. inning. You know, um, is <coughs> is the current sample size the kind of perfect storm of it, – it's certainly too small to still put anything in concrete, you know, but right. big enough that it's okay to get excited about this, this guy being a permanent fixture? people are excited, and yeah. that's definitely true. And I think the one thing about Bundy, there's so many good things to like, is this kid, and since I've known him, he doesn't have an ego. He's not there reading that national guy, you know, like Buster Olney's tweeting, wow, what a difference maker. He's not reading that. And if he is, he doesn't care about it. And so he's, unless I've read this kid totally wrong, he's not going to get carried away with his success. In fact, the opposite. He's just going to work harder to try to keep it going. And so 
he's really even keel. He's very poised. He has no ego. I saw that from the start when I interviewed this kid as an amateur. Oh, one of the best prep pitchers ever and all that was said about him. Met a down-to-earth kid who had no airs about him, who didn't say, I'm the man. He never he never has felt that way, but he is the man. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. He kind of looks like the man out there, but he doesn't act like that. And so that's going to serve him so well now. And so... You know, you can't help but get to know these kids and feel good for him. Because I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed him and asked about injuries and recovery and Tommy John and what's this and how's your velo now. And notice now we never run up to him and go, you know, how's your velo? You think it's going to tick up? We were doing that for years, Brian. Oh, you're 94. Will it get to 96? Will it get to 98? And, you know, you know what he said during that? He said, you know what? You can get hitters out at 93 or 94 if you locate. And now he's locating with 96, 97. So it's bad. And I saw him throw 96 last May in Bowie before the shoulder. He was all the way back from the Tommy John, and then this darn rare shoulder thing cropped up. Still with the the location that he's been showing? No. No, no, he didn't. And that was it. When I saw him pitch during the recovery of Tommy John, I saw glimpses of what we're now seeing where he would throw some pitches, and you would go, wow, look at that curveball. But then the next one would be a foot outside the zone. And as they've said with Tommy John, that's the command and the quality of your stuff, and it comes at different intervals. And so you could see he did not have this command uh, at any point in the last two years when I saw him pitch um, consistently. He might have had it for an inning, but then he might not the next inning. And so that's the recovery. It takes a long time to bring all this back. And so... uh, he worked damn hard. He worked damn hard, and he never got down. I couldn't. I never interviewed Dylan Bundy where you, you look, he would look at you and go, oh, "Another rehab. I got to do this another month. I can't believe I'm going to Sarasota again." Not once, which I find amazing. It makes me. you root harder for the guy. Because yeah, it's I would have expected him to do it. Go once, gee, Steve, can you believe this? I'm going to Sarasota again. You know, you would expect that. It's you're human. We all would probably do that, but he didn't. And I don't know what inside of him allowed him to stay so upbeat and positive and just keep working. But um, there's, there's, we're looking at a kid who's not only talented, but there's things inside of him that we can't put a stat on. Right. Even the sabermetricians who have a stat for everything, everything, they can't judge this kid's heart or want to, as Buck would say, or poise. And I, I love the fact that there are people in baseball that we can't put a number on that. We just yeah. know they got it. Got the gusto. And there. so that doesn't mean he'll have it every day. And Dylan Bundy is not going to be great every night. No pitcher is. And so, but I, but it's not too soon to get excited. And my my concern is the expectations will get out of control here. You, you make it seem like fans do that all the time, Steve. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Oriole fans have waited so long to see a kid, and, you know, will this be the one? And so that's kind of pressure that you wish he didn't have. But I do think he's a, not oblivious to it, but he just it, it just won't get to him. Like yeah. he's, fun, he's focused on getting outs, continuing to improve. The veteran pitchers love him. What Gallardo told me yesterday, he comes up and he's asking me and Tillman stuff all the time. He shows the proper respect in there. They root for him like the fans do because they see the kid has no ego and he wants to be good and he's respectful of the clubhouse and he's doing things the right way. That makes guy like Gallardo want to see Bundy do well. Sure. Just like Joe Q. Fan wants to see him do well. Absolutely. He seems to be a very – I hope other guys in the organization, especially in the lower levels, take note of just – 
it, it can be done. You know, injury doesn't have yeah. to, to totally derail you. It certainly can, but I mean, you you can make it through. And you even you know he didn't come up here and and go right into the starters role. Right, he spent some time in the bullpen. I mean, talk about who for a guy whose goal was to be a major league starting pitcher. He's certainly done it the hard way, but yeah. I'm sure it just makes it that much sweeter every time he goes out on the mound and well, you know, he's able to pitch like that. If there's two kids in the minors right now who have role models in the Oriole Clubhouse, to me, Chance Sisko's role model is Caleb Joseph, who heard for years your defense isn't good enough. You're not a good enough defensive catcher, which is what Chance Sisko's hearing now. And Caleb Joseph is now considered not only good enough, great defense. better yep. than good enough. Absolutely. He's a top defensive catcher. And what did we hear for years? This kid's defense, he won't be good enough. Well, that's what Cisco's hearing. So there's your role model, Caleb Joseph. And Hunter Harvey, who just had the surgery, there's your role model, Absolutely. Dylan. Uh, it might take a while. We may not see Hunter Harvey do this ever, or maybe in 20-whatever, 19-whatever. But there, it, it, you'll be young enough. Like... Dylan was about this age when he was going through sure. it. So there's a perfect role model for two minor league kids. Absolutely. And and the way it seems to be working where if guys are progressing each year and, and making their debuts and, and giving some fans some hope, then hey, it kind of puts a little – takes a little bit pressure off a guy like Hunter Harvey who, who hey, now – you know, the Oriole fans can feed on Bundy's success and Gosman's success. They're not starving for Harvey. When are you going to get better? Harvey, when are you get up? He can take his time, do his thing, right. and maybe that'll end right. up working out better. And boy, we'll just have this year by year thing. All those pitchers that the Orioles draft in the top ten, you know, all of those top ten picks there, will start to kind of get on that success train and and, and come yeah. in and just really yeah. I mean, their potential. They've had some success stories with pitcher development that they. Don't always get credit for. Right. I mean, Michael Givens is one. I mean, this kid was a was a light hitting shortstop, shortstop, right. who's now a late inning major league weapon. I can't tell you how many teams try to convert position players to the mound and they never get out of A or Double A. You know, much less get to the, ever get to the major leagues and be good. Right. And so things like that in Britain, to me, is a success story. Even though fans always say we never have developed a starter since Messina, who's been a top all-star and maybe there's there's truth to that but within that I mean if Britain's the best closer in the game and he came from your systems third round draft pick that's a success story for player development and your major league operation and so there are others like that you know Gosman I think is going to wind up being a success story and so that would be nice that the Orioles could start to turn this narrative that they can't take young pitchers and make them good because I think they have made some young pitchers good. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you had to choose somebody today as to you know just the most impressive Oriole, outstanding Orioles so far this year, I, I mean it. It's not a short list, I don't think. No. I think there are a lot of candidates that could step up and say, oh, yeah, I'd like to be on that list. But I mean, just names that jump out. You know, you talk about Britain, um, Chris Tillman. Machado. I mean, is there is there any way that you kind of lean? I know all the beat writers vote towards the end of the year when we still got a long way to go. But just for just for argument's sake, you that's know, a great it? question. If we had to vote for most valuable Oriole now, that'd be tough. I don't know how one you separate one at the top, right? That's one because you could look at Tillman and their record's so great in his starts, and then the 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 argument. Well, he pitches once every five days, but what are they nineteen or yeah. something? <laughs> that's in their record when yeah. he starts is unbelievable. And he hasn't lost a start against the American League East, by the way. 11-0 when That's he starts. That's so critical. That's I don't think people unbelievable. realize that. Can you imagine that? He's 11 starts in the division. The Orioles have won every game he started. 
I mean, that's a pretty big separator for me. Absolutely. And that's big in Tillman's favor. And, you know, but, but how do you say uh, Britain's not that guy? How do you say Trumbo's a major league home run leader is not that guy? And we're not even mentioning Manny Machado, right. who might be the most talented kid on the team, but certainly is, probably is the most talented team kid on the team. Long list, which I think is one reason the team is where they are. Right. Even with the rotation that's been shaky, as we know, for a lot of the year that we can name a lot of guys who've been so big. Absolutely. I think I think there's and there's there's a huge difference between most outstanding Oriole and most improved Oriole. I think you could you could oh, yeah. you could have a long discussion. I mean in most improved Oriole, you could have Tillman at the top of that list as well, you know, right. and, and uh, you know guys like Scope and guys that really have just um, yeah. you know so there's there's a lot of you know obviously internal hardware that uh, will be tough to decide by the end of this year. Oh we'll man see. that is gonna be one tough ballot this year. Right. So you, when you think about you think it. Got your wheels less, turning now. <laughs> someone separates themselves in the second half. I mean, someone would say, how can you not vote Britain? 33 for 33. Well, how could you not vote Tillman? How That's could right. you not vote Trumbo? That's I mean, when that Machado, was he get on the ballot? He has to be on there somewhere, on right? right? You only get three. I mean, who are you yeah. going to leave off of that? So that's going to be – there have been years, Brian, when, uh, you know, we have hard, had a hard time putting three. Going back five or ten years, who's, who should be on? Imagine. Are there three guys deserving of being votes for most valuable Oriole? But uh, this year won't be one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, let's talk a little in, in terms of news. Um, since our last episode, trade deadline came and went, uh, Orioles, um, obviously, it's a little bit older news now. They acquired Wade Miley, mm-hmm. uh, left-hander for Ariel Miranda. Uh, and they also reacquired Steve Pierce uh, from the Rays for catcher Jonah Heim. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, that in a little bit. Um, I guess for Miley, um, he'll make his Orioles debut tonight. Right. Uh, series finale against the Rangers, going for the sweep. Um, he's certainly no stranger. Came from Seattle, so he's faced Texas multiple times this season, in fact. So yes. that, that nothing, nothing too new there. Um, what do you – I feel like Miley was kind of that I, – I was curious to see the fans' reaction when the Orioles announced this trade because everybody wanted, you know, Chris Sale or Hellickson, and they ended right. up getting Wade Miley. But at the same time – Duquette said, we want to go improve our starting rotation. They got a left-hander. And Miley said, I think it's a decent pickup. Yeah. yeah. You have to look at it in the context, too, of the price. Right. And Ariel Miranda, we're going to see how he's going to do if they give him a chance to start in Seattle because the Orioles didn't seem to see him that way right now. Right. Uh, They like Miranda, but I don't think they saw him as a rotation guy at the moment. So... Miley's under control at least through next year, option for the following. So you didn't get a rental. That's the first thing. Um, and you've got a guy who's like in the top 15 in innings since 2012. Innings pitched, he's, had, uh, he's averaging nearly 200 a year. I mean, that's a workhorse in today's game. All teams would like rotation guys who can give them 200. And so uh, pitching better lately, that's a, good, that's a plus. Veteran guy, uh, hopefully handles the pennant race pressure, that's a plus. And so he's not going to throw hard, 90-91. He's going to have to mix his pitches. They say he works fast, throws strikes. So we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, if he gives them that six, six and a third, three or four runs, keeps him in the game, he's probably not going to have a lot of lights out games, but hopefully he doesn't have a lot of six or seven run games. Right. He's kind of that four ERA guy uh, who slots three, four, five, and hopefully you win with this offense. It gets going the way it has been. You win the bulk of his starts. Well, and anything to kind of give the bullpen a little bit an extra break, even if it's an inning, even if it's an inning let fewer than that somebody's got to come in. Right, right. Um, you know, this is these. I think the Orioles are near the bottom of the American League, if not down there now, um, in starters innings pitch. So yeah. certainly, if Miley can help that out, um, I think that's that's a that's a huge one, especially again. 
considering the cost or lack thereof. Well, you know, you kind of look at it now as um, I don't know how people would rank them, but you got to put Tillman, Bundy, Gosman, probably one, two, three in some order. I was going to ask you how, how is your veteran, rotation? The veteran guys seem to be your backup rotation guys now, which maybe that's a good thing because they can have their moments. And Gallardo, until this Toronto start, got away from him in the fifth inning, sort of was trending up as well. Sure. So, knock on wood for the Orioles that uh, the veteran guys kind of hold their own, give them some games they can win, and these uh, younger guys who are kind of carrying the load keep carrying it, and we'll see what this five-man looks like. I tell you, if if that five-man is right, you know, Tillman, Bundy, Gosman, and then uh, Gallardo and Miley, four-five, that's not a bad four-five. No. I mean, mean, not that you – I don't know what you expect out of a a four-five in your rotation. You expect them to go out and pretty much do what you're saying. Right. You know, eat up six innings or so, put your team in a position to win, not going to be completely lights out, but that's okay. you know. And that's The thing is, I was looking this morning at the White Sox because we're going to be covering them next, the right. Orioles and the White Sox, and their rotation is really good. They have some really good rotation statistics, but yet they're five games under five hundred. Right. And so whose rotation's been better this year? The White Sox. But you have to look at, again, the Orioles, Let we, we so often can get into this focused on the rotation, we overlook that they're the best home run hitting team in the game. They have one of the best bullpens in the game. They have one of the best defenses in the game. They have one of the best managers in the game. Their bench is probably better than it's been in some years. Uh, So all these strengths, they have the best home record in the game, oh, by the way. These factor in, too. So, yeah, the rotation's been shaky, but you still can win with your bullpen, your power, your defense. They're not going to win with base running. Or space stealing, let's put it that way. Hey, Davis swiped, uh, uh, got a stolen base the other day. They got about six now (laughs) on the year. I think so. So, um, but but they have other things that obviously they've been able to win with in a good division that might produce three playoff teams. So, it's a good team. I mean, some people just don't seem to want to come come on board with that. Uh, but it has been a good team. They know who they are, and they play to their strengths. And I think some of the fans that just don't get on board, it's just not not what they like to see out of their ball club, which. And there's so even Keel, we could not get a player or Buck to call Sunday's game a big win. I think all the fans would have, and media, we were calling it a big win. The clubhouse was not calling that a big win. It's just how they are. They won't get too high. It's not time yet. And they won't get too low. It's not time yet. When When the city is in panic mode, the least panicked 25 men are in that clubhouse. They're just rolling along. What's next? You know, Jones, after a big win, will say, so we got Sabathia tomorrow. He's already thinking about the next day's pitcher. They just won't get too high or too low. I've seen it with this team since 2012. It works for them. That's who they are. People want to see outward emotion from the – you know, Weeders did that last night, a little mild fist mm-hmm. That's all you're going to get from most of these guys. Right. They're not going to do it. And so it's 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 a buck has just planted that into them that every day grind it out, move on, move on, move on. Look at the next challenge, and uh, man, are they good at it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you get to talk to Pierce yesterday? And you guys, uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, it seems like I know he got a nice ovation yesterday when yeah. he got his start. I I just feel like he's such a. Uh, you know, he, he was so welcomed by the fans, and he, he's not going to blow you away by, by putting up all these these great stats. But he's just he's just a guy that I would want around on, on right, the team, and I right. think the Orioles do too. It's nice to see him back. So having a really good year. Now he had this hamstring issue, and I haven't really gotten in with him. Uh, who knows how much he'd volunteer? Whether it still bothered him. Players yeah. usually are kind of uh, non-committal about injuries. They don't want us to reveal too much. So maybe he's still slowly coming back from that because he hasn't hit as well since. 
his return from the DL, 230 or something. But overall, good year. Tearing up lefty pitching again, as he's done throughout his career. It's just a solid, rock-solid guy. I mean, when you talk about one-two team player, this is the guy whose picture's in the dictionary. And Bucks always loved them for that. You know, right. hey, Steve, you got to play shortstop next inning. Cool. You know, when they asked him at the press conference, did you bring all your gloves? He said, got them all. You know, where you need me. That's the kind of guy he is. The Berets weren't using him in the outfield. The Orioles put him right in right field, you know. And so he can play all over the diamond. We saw him play second base that one year, remember? Right. That's right. Um, and so this guy will do what's needed. He also has the ability to sit for two or three games, start, and get three hits. It's hard to do. That's a rare thing. And he's done it through his career. He's kind of all, you know, I remember interviewing him a couple years ago about always being that guy on the bubble to make the opening day roster. And now, look, he's kind of a guy. He's a, he's a guy now. He's right. on the team. And so, but for a couple years, he was always, will he make the opening day? Is he going back? He was kind of the, you know, that's the, he always rode that, that you know, is he a 4A guy? And he finally... Had that big year a couple years ago, and he, he crossed that threshold. Right. And so now he's just a solid guy who's a good guy to have on your team. Yeah, and I think he makes the bench just – Oh, yeah. Just, like you said, that's one of the – I think one of the best benches in uh, – certainly in the American League. So um, so just real quick before we before we wrap up, um, we're still – got a couple weeks before September before the rosters expand. Um, I know you do a great job, best in the business, keep an eye on those minor leagues. Um any speculations to who the Orioles might call up when that roster expands? Who fans might get to see that might not be uh, too too well known of a name? Well, you know, Buck doesn't to. like to clutter the clubhouse with thirty-eight man roster. That's right. the first thing. So I don't expect to see the Orioles bring in eight or nine, ten guys, the four or five, and, and it could be guys. It's often guys we've already seen. Right. Donnie Hart, if he's not back. Tyler Wilson, if he's not back. Maybe Alvarez. They need an extra outfielder. They almost always bring up an extra catcher. So that could be Francisco Pena, could be Perez, Triple The other thing is people look at minor leaguers having good years and say, what a nice reward for Trey Mancini to be put on the 40-man. But the reason against doing that is you have to add him to the 40-man roster, which he's currently not on because he doesn't have to be protected through the end of this year. Right. So sometimes if you don't aren't on the 40-man, getting that call up for a contending team is harder. Now, Mancini will go on in the winter, but why use up a 40-man spot now when he wouldn't play much just as a nice reward? Yeah, there for the moment when you're contending. Eh, you it's got a business this, first. You it's know? a business first, and those 40-man spots are valuable. And over the winter, they'll take some guys off, and they'll add the guys who have to be added to stay away from the Rule 5 draft like Mancini. Um, you know, and like, uh, well, I was going to say Chris Lee, but he's on the 40-man. So, you know. Parker Bridwell is the name we could see okay. in September. Yeah. He got added to the 40-man. He's throwing the ball real well right now in Bowie. Uh, he's had some injury problems, but he's back, and I hear he's throwing the ball great. You know, there's a name. There's kind of a guy that since he's on the 40-man, he might be able to help a little bit in September. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. We'll wait and see. Again, we've got a couple weeks before that, a lot of baseball to play there. Yeah. Um, so just wrapping up, again, the Orioles are going to go for uh, the sweep of Texas tonight. Wade Miley's going to make his Orioles debut, so we'll see how the left-hander does uh, against the Rangers. And then it's on a nice little road trip to, I think, Chicago. 
Oakland and San Francisco. So we're doing a little West Coast swing. Um, Boy, this will be your third trip out to the West Coast this year, isn't it? Well, I'm doing Chicago, and Rock is doing the West Coast part of it. Okay, you're not doing Chicago. I'll be coming back Sunday night to Baltimore. And uh, I've been on the West Coast twice. I know you've been there, done that. It's only fair that my partner there take one of the three West Coast trips, which he is, and Rock will be on the West Coast. He was out in San Diego, by the way. He covered that series. That's right. So, um... Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, Miguel Gonzalez on the mound for the White Sox oh, on Friday night. A blast from the past be, there. Uh, Oriole fans will go, my Twitter will go berserk if I've he beats the Orioles <laughs> Friday night. Right. Safe prediction. That's right. That's right. So be sure to check out MassSports.com. Steve will be out there in Chicago covering the Orioles as they hit the road. But still, they got the finale against the Rangers to worry about tonight. So um, Steve, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Brian. See you.